Well, this morning my New Year's resolution is to speak for two hours. See ya. No, you can't go because everybody's here is here because you got your $2 gift certificate I sent you to come this morning. <laughs> I would like to just share a few simple things on a theological linguistic analysis of the logic of neo-orthodoxy in regard to a metaphysical rationale for pantheistic nihilism. <laughs> <laughs> Alice says she already knows all those things, so I don't have to do that. I don't want to brag, but I've never had a New Year's resolution that I've ever kept, so I won't keep this one either. My mom used to brag to people that David reached the terrible twos six months early. <laughs> There's an old uh, simple uh, Bible study method to uh, read the Word of God uh, with your spiritual glasses using the acronym SPEC. Uh, and as you read through the Bible devotionally, you look for sins to forsake, promises to claim, examples to follow, uh, commands to obey, and stumbling blocks to avoid. So uh, it's up there somewhere on that SPECs if you want to take a quick note on that. and. When I think of examples to follow, I spoke a few weeks ago on the example of, of Mary in the Bible. And uh, if you want a good example, it's safe to go with women. Uh, you think of women in the Bible are often great examples of devotion. In the Old Testament, you have women like Jochebed, who saw in Moses uh, uh, a child uh, to be used of God, and she committed her son to that. Uh, Hannah prayed for a child, God gave her uh, Samuel, and she surrendered her son to the Lord. The familiar story and commitment of Ruth, who said, uh, your people will be my people, your God will be my God, and she left everything and followed Naomi. And then Esther said, I'll, I'll stand in the place for the people of God, and if I perish, I perish. All examples of tremendous commitment. And like the Sunday school kid, when you ask, what was the lesson about, you say, uh, it was about Jesus, is, is always a safe answer. And if you want an example in the New Testament about a godly woman to follow, Mary is a safe answer. Of Mary, uh, the mother of the Lord Jesus, her prayer and devotion to God is second to none. And you have Mary Magdalene, uh, I was talking to uh, people of the Indian descent and they were looking for a, a wife, a prearranged marriage. And I was asking them questions how they did that. And they said, well, you, you look through the whole history and genealogy of the people. And I said, well, what about the grace of God? What about a woman like Mary Magdalene? Her past, she had seven demons, but here was a worshiper of God. And, the woman who was at the tomb and who never left the Lord's side in worship. Oh, she'd be canceled off the list. I said, not on my list. The grace of God changes lives. But one, one other Mary, there's uh, also Mary of Cleopas, Mary the mother of James and John, but one that the Lord seemed to speak to my heart this week was uh, uh, Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And every time she's mentioned in the Word of God, she's at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And uh, 
I think we need to learn from her example. She learned that the Lord Jesus is greater than any service. The Lord Jesus is greater than any sorrow and that the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than any sacrifice. And I think those three things would be good for me to learn this coming year. Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. I'm reading from the New King James. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. We need to learn that in America, to not be distracted. If you're too busy to sit at the Lord's feet, we're too busy. And often that's sadly true of my life. I let the cares of this world choke my relationship with the Lord out. Uh, the Phillips translation of Romans 12, 2 says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we do that? We sit at the Lord's feet. The very perfect God, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus, said he would oft go alone to be in a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And how much more should we one thing I have asked, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days, David said in Psalm 27. And David was oft alone with God, and I think the reason he was a man after God's heart is because he was oft pouring out his heart before the Lord. In Psalm 84.10, David says, a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. A day setting before the Lord is better than Disney World or anything else. Not that those things aren't fun and enjoyable. But why do I ever neglect sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus? 37 times David says, God is my refuge and strength. It started out as a place of protection and ended up in a relationship. He restores my soul. How did that happen? He was off alone with God. Moses thought he was ready to be used of God, and God says, you're not ready. It took 40 years in the wilderness to make him a man ready to be used of God. Think of all the people who, who were greatly used of God. It's people who were off alone with him. David, Moses, John the Baptist. There he grew up in the wilderness, apart from uh, the busyness of life. Paul in prison. We wouldn't have half the New Testament if Paul hadn't been in prison alone with God. The godliest man I've ever met personally in my life in 1976 was a guy from Russia who'd spent his entire adult life alone with God in a Russian prison. I like what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Amplified Bible says, for my determined purpose is that I might know him that I might continually become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, 
perceiving, recognizing, and understanding the wonders of this person more strongly and more clearly. That's what I need for 2023 to have the heart that Paul did. Nine times in John chapter 15, Jesus says, abide with me, stay in my presence, let me love you like no one else can love you. Often in the Psalm, David says, be still and know that I am God, be oft alone with God. One of the greatest descriptions and the personal ones that the Lord Jesus described about himself, he said in uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest, soul rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's what we need to do. We need to be in his presence that we might learn his character and that we might know how much he loves and cares from us. A.W. Tozer said, retire from the world each day to a private spot. Stay in that secret place until the surrounding noises begin to fade out of your heart and the sense of God's presence envelops you. My son was talking about deer hunting and uh, they said, well, I could never get up that early or, or dress that warmly. And he said, yeah, early in the morning hasn't really ever been profitable for me for deer hunting, but it's been profitable to sit there alone with God and nature and listen and learn from him. We need to learn that. It seems like the most reliable form of transportation is the slowest, the calmest, uh, a ship unless you were on the Titanic, and maybe it wasn't so. None of you have been on the Titanic. We're on the Titanic. <laughs> Connie, Connie, you're the only one that's on the Titanic. <laughs> but think of the words that go with ship. Worship, relationships, friendship, fellowship, companionship, chocolate ship. No, I expect <laughs> But we need to be involved in things that slow us down and are intimate and personal. It says that Abel worshiped God. Enoch walked with God. And I like the analogy that he walked with God and was fellowshipping and God says, you're far, far away from home, aren't you, Enoch? And he said, yeah. And he says, well, why don't you just come home with me then? And he did. And Enoch just was translated into heaven. And then the next person in the word of God is Noah worked. For God and that's the right order to be like Abel to worship to be like Enoch to walk with God and to be like Noah who worked for God I think we'll find in Scripture that Mar Martha was an amazing woman of God faithful and yet the Lord used that opportunity uh, to remind her don't get distracted don't worry about your sibling rivalry you, you stay at my feet and listen I think I need to learn from uh, Mary and Martha to linger longer in the presence of the Lord. Or you who like to say it different, longer linger. So you do one of the two things, linger longer or longer linger in your life this next year. And then the next time we see Mary, she's again casting herself at the feet of the Lord Jesus. Look at John chapter 11 and verse 28. She poured out her soul and woe to the Lord. 
John 11, 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. My favorite verse to use when you're quoting as many verses as you can fastly, Jesus wept is a good one to go to. But death is hard. Death is difficult. I've been around death uh, a lot. I was 19 years old when my mom volunteered me to do a funeral. And I, I said, there's no way I can do this. And it's, it's a memorial stone in the Jordan because I cast all my care. God, I can't do this. You're going to have to take control. And by his grace, I don't remember what I said or, or, or did, but I felt the grace and strength and help of God. And as a result of that, I put my name into every funeral home and said, listen, if there's anybody who has a death in their family and they don't go to a church anywhere or don't know anybody, uh, I would come alongside and preach the funeral. Not many people do something as morbid as that, but I've preached at over 100 funerals and been in their homes and heard the sorrow and difficult of their lives. I did a funeral for a family who, who lost three young children. I did a funeral of a, a man who uh, murdered his wife and then committed suicide. I've been kicked out of funerals. Uh, a lady I, I, I met, her granddaughter called and says, my grandma needs to know the Lord, would you go and visit? And I visited her in the hospital and she says, it's too late for me. And I said, no, it's not. Uh, your, your granddaughter loves you and she's praying that you'd put your trust in the Lord. And she, she put her trust in the Lord uh, that day and uh, she invited me to share her testimony at her funeral. And I, I went in and uh, another relative says, you're the guy who, who, who talked about God and the Bible with my mother, aren't you? And I said, yeah, it was, it's a great privilege. And I began to tell, she says, you're not welcome here. And she escorted me out of the funeral home and I was booted out of the funeral. And then the other granddaughter came and said, you're welcome here, come back in. So I've had every type of experience imaginable at, at funerals. Yeah, car accidents and uh, had to go with the police to identify a body of, of a man who, who shot himself uh, down by the lake. And it, they're all hard. Most glorious funeral I ever had was the dearest friend on earth I've had, Carol Walker, deformed his whole life, couldn't walk, pigeon-toed, bent over, was ground up in a manure spreader that uh, deformed him and he couldn't talk correctly. And everybody thought Carol was uh, special ed because of his speech impediments. And I knew Carol as the greatest worshiper of God I've ever met. And with his whiskery beards, he'd always give me a, a peck on the cheek and tell me he loved me. That funeral, 
Carol Walker has a new body and is with the Lord forever. A joyous thing. And yet, to miss his earthly presence is hard. And I hope it's not true. I hope today or, or sometime soon, we're all raptured and we don't face death. But if it's true, as it was last year, some of you have faced death and it's hard. And you need to be like Mary. Fall at the feet of Jesus and pour out your woe. And know that he's the God of all comfort, the God who will never leave you or forsake you. And, and know that death is hard and that uh, he weeps with you. Look at some of the verses on death. Familiar verses to all of us, I think. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Death is kind of a mystery. It has both good and bad sides. It mentions separation, and that's, that's the tough side for us. We're separated from our loved ones, uh, but we don't sorrow as those without hope. But 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. For each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his foot. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. It's an enemy. It separates us from our loved ones, but never from God. To be, to die, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord, which Paul says, I just noticed this familiar verse reading it in preparation for this. It's just not better. Paul says it's far better. Philippians chapter one, where he talks about for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Look at the part that he says it's far better. Philippians 1, 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. The other aspect of death if your loved ones have, have gone on and they knew the Lord, it's far better for them, for they are with the Lord. We should never sorrow as those who have no hope, for we have a future hope to see our loved ones again. God wants us to give us an abiding peace to keep us, an unending love to comfort us, and an unfailing presence to remind us He's always with us. I just sense that I don't, have long on this earth. And my body's falling apart as old as Connie does. We, we can get together and share uh, stories how, how old and frail we are getting. Three times this last week, Rose has been telling everybody, David's life insurance policy uh, is done in January. David's <laughs> life insurance is done in January. She says, David, I've got this new recipe I'd like you to taste. <laughs> if I'm gone, it's far better, but you'll know what happened to me. No, I, I'm not, I don't think she'll do that. But. And then the, 
perhaps the last time we hear of, of Mary is in John chapter 12. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Some have called that the greatest act of worship and sacrifice ever. I don't know where she obtained this. It perhaps was for her wedding, but she took what would have been a lifetime of wages and she poured it on the feet of the Lord Jesus. In humility and brokenness and worship, she washed the feet with the glory, the glory of her hair. Mary, again, at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. The poet says, O Christ, thy bleeding hands and feet, thy sacrifice for me. Each wound demands my life, a sacrifice for thee. I wonder if I would ever sacrifice something of importance to me like Mary did. It was a burnt offering. The same word as, as a fragrant aroma is the same word in the Old Testament taken up for a burnt offering. And you had sin offerings and trespass offerings and peace offerings. But the burnt offering was to just be holy between you and the God. God, I, I give you all that I am. Have it all. Nothing for me, all to you. When Abraham offered Isaac, it was a burnt offering. I give you my very best, my son, my only son. What Jesus did on the cross as a, as a sin offering was a great, one of the greatest acts. But even more important than offering his body for you and for me to pay in full the penalty for our sin was his offering to God the Father. Not my will, but thine be done. I don't want the shame of the cross. I don't want to become sin, but I just give my life as a burnt offering to you. That's what Mary was doing. What an example of giving. I love to hear stories of that. Zinzendorf said, I only have one passion. It's Christ alone. He wrote that famous saying you might have on your wall, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. C.T. Studd, one of my favorite biographies, the, the richest man in England and the greatest cricket player, gave it all up. All, went out of the bank and just surrendered all of his money to the Lord. He left out $9,000 for his wedding to, to his bride. And she found out that he did that and said, no way are you keeping that back from me. You give it all to the Lord and told him this, uh, dear Lord, thou art to me greater than Charlie will ever be. And they both went to the mission field, uh, surrendering all to the Lord. D.L. Moody said the world, someone uh, challenged D.L. Moody, the world is yet to see what God can do with a man as wholly given to thee. D.L. Moody responded quickly, I want to be that man. And God greatly used him. David Livingston, reading his biography, he prayed this, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. He said, I often can look over a thousand villages in Africa, those who need to hear the good news of the gospel. God sent him to Africa. 
God, lay any burden on me, only sustain me. It was quick that he was attacked by a lion and his arm was severed and they sewed it back on and uh, uh, he went on to preach the gospel. Sever any tie that binds me except the tie that binds me to my Savior's heart. He got word that uh, his parents had died back in, in the States and uh, he buried his wife and, and two children in Africa. They couldn't find him and they sent Watson from the New York Times and, and Watson was amazed at this man's devotion and faith. And one night Watson was, came to uh, uh, David Livingston's bedside and he was on his knees praying. And when he got up the next morning, David Livingston was still on his knees on his bed, but he was no longer in the land of the dying, he was in the land of the living. He went to be with the Lord, praying all night before the Lord. I like those stories. My favorite biography to read and, uh, is, is the life of uh, Jim Elliot. And you, you want uh, another devoted woman, read the stories by Elizabeth Elliot, the books by her. But Jim Elliot wrote this, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life. May I burn for thee. Consume my life, O God, for it is not mine, it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. Father, take my life, my blood, if thou wilt, and consume it with thine enveloping fire. I would not save it, for it is not mine to save. Have it, Lord, have it all. I pour out my life as an oblation for the world. Blood is only of value as it flows before thine altar. Saturate me with the oil of thy spirit that my, I might be a flame for thee. But flame is often short-lived. Canst that thou bear this soul of mine. Short life in me that dwells the spirit of the great short life whose zeal for God's house consumed him. Make me thy full flame of God. Jim Elliot was martyred with the four other missionaries in Ecuador as they preached the gospel to the tribe that had never heard of them. And you can think of stories yourself of men and women who uh, surrendered their life for the Lord. I wonder what God would want for us. What if we knew that 2023 was the last year of our life? Would we give more? Not just money, but of our lives, of our time, of our energy. Would we sit more often at his feet? Would we learn more of him? Would we cry out all to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all? One other resolution I guess I forgot is, I wanna sing during a sermon, so I think I'll sing all to Jesus, I surrender. Or maybe remind ourselves of those words. It's easy to sing, but in the quietness of your house some morning, Sing to God and mean it. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I surrender all. I surrender all. He's not a hard taskmaster. Come unto him and learn of him. He's worthy of our lives, isn't it? May we give him more than we've ever given. Mary gave the most costly thing she owned and poured it at his feet and washed his feet with her hair because she loved him and knew he was worthy.
May I learn from Mary to set at his feet. When things I want to happen this next year don't happen, may I pour out my woe to him. When things I don't want to happen, happen to me, he's still worthy of our trust. Your family, when they went through that sorrow of death, they knew that even as hard as that was, and as horrible as that was, and words we don't even know what to say, God is worthy of our trust. Neighbor of a family passed away and the little daughter would often go in their yard and play and the mother outside and saw that the daughter was headed over there and said, oh, oh no, uh, she shouldn't have gone over there and she came home, well what did you do, what did you say? I didn't say anything, I just sat beside them and I wept with them. That's what we need to do. May we be like Mary of Bethany in this coming year. Let's close in prayer. Father, weak have been my words alone, but um, I pray that we might learn from her example, that we might see your value and your worth, and that we might ascribe glory and honor and worship to you. We say this first day of a new year that you're worthy. You're more worthy than we can ever imagine. And we need you and we want to be at your feet and we want to worship you. We pray in Jesus' name.